This week we read The Solitary Cyclist. Or reasons not to accept when a shady man offers you way too much money to move to his secluded house in the country and teach his child who may or may not exist. Game is afoot on my buddies, and those feet are on a velocipede's pedals. Welcome back to the final podlum, the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast that don't believe in Peter Pan, Frankenstein, or Superman. I am me, and joining me is my co-host Nick Cohen, who was believed to be lost in Africa some years ago. Nick, how has your life been upon your return to the States from the Dark Continent? Oh, it's been great. Uh, the malaria took a while to get over, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure. doing all right now. <clears throat> I mean, it's not Bon area. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> All right. So, so what did you what did you <laughs> that was a dumb joke. <laughs> so Nick, what did you think of this story? Uh I really like this one. Um I specifically picked it because I remember the episode being really good and I was mm-hmm. not wrong. The story actually is is just just that good. Um Holmes gets in a bar fight at one point and I knew yes, that if does. nothing else uh that would just be great. Uh so yeah, this this one's basically kind of just like it's definitely one of those Nothing really seems that weird until the very end. Everything happens at once. <laughs> Everything yeah. happens at once. So, yeah, uh, basically this uh, this client appears. She is uh ardent bicyclist, and she is being followed by a mysterious man after taking uh-huh. a job for way more money than a suspiciously high amount of money. Yeah, a suspiciously large amount of money. And she, like, God, she tells her whole life story. Yeah, she shows up at Baker Street unannounced and just kind of is like, "No, you are going to <laughs> you are going to listen to me and I'm going to tell you everything." And then she Yeah, does. Holmes is at first like reluctant to hear her out and mm-hmm. she's just very insistent and does not take no for an answer. And so eventually he he relents, which uh is his way now following his encounter with Irene Adler. I guess. Yeah, he's like, "Well, you know, respect women." So this dame, Miss <laughs> yeah. Violet Smith, um, she shows up, she's a music teacher, which, uh, Holmes deduces. Watson actually notices that she is a cyclist. He deduces this from, like, the friction wear on her shoes and such. John Watson! So proud. I'm so proud of him, yeah. He does a little, he yeah. starts to get a little bit more stuff to do, uh, yeah. as he is with Holmes for longer and longer, and he makes his own, yeah. every time Watson makes his own deduction, I'm just like, it's great, I love it. It really, you know, he's been leveling up. He's been learning some more detective skills, putting mm-hmm. points into those trees. Yeah, it's real good. So this lady, Ms. Violet Smith, shows up. Uh, her father, conductor of the Imperial Orchestra, is very dead, who, yeah. uh, leaving her and her mother all alone and very poor, save for an uncle called Ralph, who, much like yourself, was lost in Africa. Mm-hmm. So they were just kind of resigned to destitution, I guess. Like, yeah, it, it didn't really say what their plan was. I don't know. I mean, they're kind of, they're obviously not, like super upper class people um right but they're not poor either i guess i mean i guess they're poor enough that she has to take this job with him um yeah or war that she can't say no to it yeah right exactly and um she's just kind of like an average i actually really like this character she's kind of just like an average person but yet she has a lot of yeah. personality for just being the clients you know like she does yeah and and she lacks she lacks a lot of the um female failings that doyle clearly felt most women had. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. She's, she's very, person. she's very feisty. She's very like, she's just living her own life and not really letting anyone else get in her way, which is awesome. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, so yeah, she takes this job. Uh, she meets. Okay. Okay. Well, so she and her mother see an advert in the paper, and again, this is 
so many of these stories involve people finding things in papers that are aimed specifically at them. Right, yeah. And I, I just have to wonder if that was, like, the equivalent of Facebook. Like, you just, you, you combed it looking for things like, let's see if Dave mentioned me this week. Right, like, is there anything about me in the newspaper this week? Like, me yeah. personally? <laughs> nope, not reading it. Uh, anyway, they found an advert naming them specifically, mm-hmm. posted by Mrs. Carruthers, Carruthers and Woodley. Uh, they claimed to have known Ralph, uh, her uncle, in Africa, and had been asked by him uh, to see that his relatives were taken care of because he had just heard of his brother's death and he felt responsible for their welfare. <laughs> um, why he didn't just come back from Africa is an excellent question, <laughs> yeah. but here we are. You know. Uh, so, yeah. They, yeah. yeah, so they offer her... Um, I, I, I guess they're kind of like, oh, yeah, he didn't have a lot of money, but if you want, like... We'll make sure you're okay by, you know... Exactly. So Carruthers, yeah. Carruthers specifically says, yo, you can come live with me, you can come teach my daughter music, and uh, I'll pay you this frankly unreasonable sum of money, and you can come back uh, every weekend and visit your mother. And this is where her being a cyclist comes into play, because she cycles back and forth between the station every weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, everything is everything is fine for a while. Um, she's engaged to a nice young electrical engineer, because apparently they had those in Sherlock Holmes times, which, <laughs> sure... Yeah. And, yeah, um, everything's all right, except that Carruthers is best friends with this real creep of a guy called Woodley. Right, yeah. It introduces them both at the same time with this huge contrast. Carruthers is, like, he's, like, quieter, clean-shaven, very respectable-looking guy. And then Woodley is just this nasty, horrible dude. Like, he immediately starts to hit on her inappropriately and yeah. is just kind of, like, really aggressive. As opposed to hitting on her appropriately. Right, I, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Extra inappropriate. Um, Pardon me. And it's just like, why... Would it be the very acme of offense? <laughs> right. In my notes right here, I have, like, the client, other characters. I put Mr. Crothers as employer and Mr. Woodley as bastard. <laughs> that's his profession. Yeah, it's about um, right, honestly. And she's just kind of sitting there, like, wondering why Carruthers even hangs out with this guy. And right. it's just not very clear why they're... Like, why someone as, like, seemingly respectable as him would even associate with Mr. Woodley. And he, uh, and yeah, she's living at his house with him. She's teaching the kids great, you know, she's enjoying her work there. And except for occasionally Mr. Woodley will come around and just bother her. And eventually one night it gets so bad that Carruthers has to, like, forcibly kick him out of the house. Yeah, Um, he has to knock Woodley's block off because he gets uh, a little handsy. And, like, tries to force an acceptance of marriage proposal out of her. As if that was at all within their own... As as if that's how that works. Yeah. You know. So, finally, and and all of this, much like in The Noble Bachelor, all of this has been expressed via Violet telling Sherlock all of this. And Denmark is banging on the door asking to be let out. Forgive me. Every episode. (laughs) Free him. (laughs) So, but yeah, so this is the point basically where it would be like a flashback, except she has to tell you it. (laughs) So now what is alleged to be the friggin point already? Uh, Every Saturday, she bikes to town to catch the train home and has begun to encounter the same guy every time she does so biking Mm -hmm. along in like the loneliest bits of the road at the same time as her. And for some reason, she finds this very odd and suspicious 
And I guess it was because they didn't know from commutes. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I think it was, I think she started to be suspicious because it was just like, cause once she tried to like stop and catch up with him to like mm-hmm. talk to him or something and he also stops. So she kind of like just confirmed that he was following her. Basically. Yeah, it was a real stoppy starty yeah. thing. And even at one point, yeah. she tries to like go around a corner really fast and catch him, like herself, mm-hmm. because that's safe. <laughs> right, and, you know. Uh, and he's just gone. Uh, and so she's like, "What? What is going on? Like, why is?" Yeah, and she, you know, and it's like reasonable for her to assume that she might be being followed, you know, because she's by herself. Right. Um, and it's you know Victorian England, and she's a woman. <laughs> You know? Yeah, at which point she she decides to uh, come seek the help of one Sherlock Holmes because mm-hmm. he's into goofy shit like this. Nick, what's your commute like? I oh on my bike, yeah. Um, it's it's a straight shot actually. From uh, I get on there's I, I live right next to Spokane River, and sure. um, so there's actually a path called the Centennial Trail that goes along it that's paved the whole way. It goes all the way. Um, it like starts in Spokane somewhere and then it goes all the way up. It like to Idaho. Uh, oh wow! And I think, and yeah, you can kind of. It's like a really famous walking trail that you can. Uh, hmm. But yeah, it, it basically takes me. I can get on it right near my apartment, and then just a straight shot along the river um, to my work, and I just get off near the mall, and there it is. Uh, it's really nice, right and, but and I'm meeting people there constantly. There's always people along it, like right. any time of day. Uh, it's super popular. But uh, I do guess. Do you ever see? Do you ever see the same the same people like at the same times? Uh, yeah, usually it's, like, older people in the mornings and then mm-hmm. families in the afternoon after school gets out and stuff, so. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I guess. Well, the only, the longest commute I ever had was 40 minutes uh, when I lived here and worked in Scottsdale, mm-hmm. and I was okay with that because it afforded me audiobook and podcast time, oh, but yeah. there was a site that I got used to seeing on the way, there was a little, okay, so you know how when you're driving, it's kind of like back in Lancaster, you know how... You're driving along, and it's clear that there are residences behind, like, one of those big sort of adobe walls. And you yeah, know there are yeah. backyards in there. And then there's a sidewalk on the other side, but there's, like, a little a little patch of grass in there for, for people to walk on or do whatever. So there was one of those, and there was a chicken. Uh, <laughs> he was there every day. He was just this, this big black rooster, and I named him Fortunio. Mm-hmm. And every morning, I would say, good morning, Fortunio. I hope you have a good day, you big chicken in the city. <laughs> and one time, I drove by, and somebody had left him an entire corn. And oh I have gosh. never believed in humanity more since. It was incredible. That's adorable. Local celebrity, Fortunio the rooster. The black rooster. <laughs> the goth rooster. The modern rooster. chicken in the city. Yes. <laughs> oh, Business chicken. So good. So now we have now we have Parliament Cheetah and Business Chicken with Shannon. Yeah, Prime we Minister Polka Dots. Yeah, no, we'll we'll get some art in here. <laughs> Prime Minister Polka Dots and Fortunio, the modern chicken in the city, liaising to to work for a better tomorrow for you and me. Uh, <laughs> Very good. Did you did you get my voice text today about Prime Minister Polka Dots? Today, no. Okay, I sang you a little was, song. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Don't don't worry about it. Yeah, you'll 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 hear it eventually. Your working okay. song while you put your desk together. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. No, I was driving at the time, but yeah. No, I am, and I've been singing it all day. Just the, the song I made up about Prime Minister Polkadots. Well, because if anyone so, would just make up songs in the car by himself and sing them, and then send some to me and Dylan, it would be. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> it would be, oh, Dylan does that too. Dylan will text me, but he his, does like, little proto raps. Like he'll text me and he'll just be like, "Uh, yeah, 
get it. What? You guys are just uh. the same person split into two, like, two different bodies, one with anxiety Literally. and one with depression. Exactly. <laughs> You're just the same. <laughs> the same dude. How <laughs> dare you be so accurate? <laughs> I am summed up, and I do not appreciate it. Yeah, no, we're mirror universe versions of each other. It's pretty it's good. It's great. So, okay, so this this dame, so Violet finally comes <laughs> to see Sherlock. This episode, Casey gets thoroughly read. Yes, um, speaking of uh, Dylan and things that would outrage him, at one point Sherlock asks, what does your employer do for a living? And she just says, he is a rich man. He's a rich and man. That's, that's it. <laughs> He's a rich job. man. His job is being rich. No. He's a job creator. Do you not? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah, no, that was really funny. Like, you messaged me about that before, and then when it came up, I was just like, eh. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Victorian uh... professions. Electrician. Mm. Wait. Wait. Yeah, yeah, electrical engineer, rich man, electrical engineer, or criminal, and woman. Those are your those are your options. Pick Unless your you fire. want to make up your own and then be a detective, you know. Exactly, <laughs> custom <laughs> multi-class. Although the argument for Holmes being at least like part criminal is very strong. Oh yeah. So Holmes says that he'll find some time for it if he can. Uh, here's your hat. What's your hurry? Get the hell out of my house. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to find out who all lives at the Charlington Hall, which is the property adjacent to where uh, Miss Smith has been getting crept upon while she cycles. Yeah, the closest neighbor, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the, yeah, the big the big house there. And also, she, he, they need to know what Woodley and Carruthers' relationship is and mm-hmm. why they're actually so interested in the well-being of Smith. Sherlock rattles off this this laundry list of, okay, this is the shit we need to find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what sort of boss is it? That will pay double the market price for a governess for his little daughter, but doesn't keep a horse, even right. though he's six miles from the station, which is a completely fair point. Yeah. yeah. And, like, whenever there, whenever there's something that doesn't make sense to me in a story like this, I tend to just say, because then no story, if it made sense. <laughs> but but it, this, this does actually turn out to be relevant. So Watson is going to go conduct a preliminary investigation, and mm. he's going to report back. And they're going to they're gonna uh, conspire and move on from there. Well, what happens next, Nicholas? So Watson tries his absolute best. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of yeah. just like Holmes is like, well, you know, I got another case going at the time, but uh, we're going to, you know, I think Watson says something like, all right, so when are we going to go down? And, Watson, and Holmes is like, actually, you're going to go down. <laughs> and do all right. that stuff i just said and watson's like okay i guess i'm doing that then um by myself that's cool yeah, and you um, can do it you're ready i have faith yeah and so he's like all right yeah i'll, I'll do it i'll be i'll be the detective this time and so he goes down he kind of like he goes down finds the exact path that she uh travels along every week and uh kind of like hides in the bushes and then he sees the guy on the the bicycle the the guy who's been following her he sees him go by he sees her go by so he observes this all from the bushes, and then he is like, all right, cool. So he, I think this is at the point where she actually stops and tries to turn around and chase the guy again, and right. then he kind of bikes off in the opposite direction. Yeah. Because she's kind of just like, stop following me <laughs> Fucking at this point. quit it, dude. Just stop. Yeah. Knock it off. And um, I just, yeah, I just love the constant, like, like she's just going to take this into her own hands if no one else is going to do it. You know, it's yeah. kind of like very much if you want and... something done mentality. 
for this girl. Yes, and that is going to play into uh, today's research, which I'm actually going to save it for the end. I've decided that I'm going to start. I'm going to start doing research at the end because that way, if the listener, for example, you know, just doesn't care for the research, they know that it's right at the end and they can skip it if they want. Sort of thing. I'm not, you know, don't want to break the flow. But uh, her being kind of a, it kind of a do-it-yourself to the extent that a woman is allowed to, mm-hmm. you know, kind of kind of badass woman, uh, actually really does play into something really interesting I learned oh, that uh, w- we would have had no way of knowing. <laughs> so we'll, <laughs> right, we'll get yeah, to that. Right. But yeah. So yeah. So, yeah, so um, Watson, so what else does Watson learn? And then he goes to, I think, the local real estate office or something and to find out where who the other guy in the house is and et cetera. And I'm like, okay, right. logically that makes sense. Like, yeah, no, that's a good I move. I feel really bad for Watson because as soon as he gets home, Holmes just, mm-hmm. just blank face just kind of drags him like, okay, you did everything wrong. And then tells him like all the things he yep. should have done. And Watson just kind of like, right. I rode my ass on a train all the way out here to do all this work for mm-hmm. you just for you to tell me that I did a horrible job. And it's kind of like, it's kind of rude, honestly. <laughs> um, oh, it's super rude. But yeah. And like one of the, one of the things about these stories that we've discussed is that especially once Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, they, I keep meaning to ask you this. Mm-hmm. You consistently refer to him as Conan Doyle, not Arthur Conan Doyle. Is there a specific reason for that? I I, I don't know. It flows better <laughs> for me. No, fair enough. Yeah, totally reasonable. Know. I just I it's just like wondered. it's usually like okay, uh, if it's if it's abbreviated on books, it's like A. C. Doyle or something. Okay. Or like sometimes they'll put his whole name, but it's like his name is right. Sir Arthur Conan Ignatius Doyle or something like that. And it's nice. just like I don't know. I guess I could just call him Doyle, but. It's, no, I mean, I, ju- I just wondered, because, yeah. like, if anyone, if there was a reason, like, if he preferred to be called that or whatever, like, you would be the person who knew that. He might have, So yeah. I figured... Yeah, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if he was called, <laughs> like, Arthur or Artie or, I don't know, <laughs> by his personal family. Every time you call him Conan Doyle, I just picture Conan the Barbarian <laughs> with, like, little tiny pince-nez glasses on, yeah. just smoking a, a pipe and, and like a typing in a typewriter. like a falling exactly. off at a ship. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Watson, <laughs> I've been reading the new the new Conan comics from from Marvel and from Dark Horse. Actually, they're both doing separate series at the same time, which is wild. But uh, oh, this they're is, really good. Real quick, this is going to absolutely blow your mind. I don't know if you know this, Tell but me. there's actually a video with sound of Arthur Conan Doyle talking about something. Uh, what? Yes, I'm going to send it to you. It's like it's like wait, he's really old. I think he's like in his 70s or whatever. But he just comes out, oh, yeah, and he's sitting in front of his house or something, petting his dog. And talking Damn. about Sherlock Holmes or something. It's the coolest thing ever. Like, because I saw this and I was like, okay, wait, this has to be fake somehow. But no, right. like, they had, obviously, it's not great quality because it's like, I think it was oh, recorded yeah. in like the 30s or 40s or something. Years old. Yeah. Because, you know, he lived up until, up until, and it's like, yeah, so there's actual video footage with sound of him talking. You can hear his voice if you want to. That's so cool. Yeah. We'll have to post that I, in the show notes. Yeah, so the listeners no, we can should. Check yeah, it out. I'll tweet it and I'll send it to you. And just, it's really, I just remember that out of the blue because we were talking about him. But anyway, so yeah. Oh, of course. Well, no, uh, well, that actually reminds me. Um, so you, so in, in terms of recording, uh, have you ever seen, there's a famous painting of like, uh, and, and some record company has used it for their, for their label logo, like of a little doggo, like a little, uh, like a little Eddie from Frasier type dog who's sitting there looking at like a phonograph. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. You've seen that? Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I learned the story behind that. I think it was on the Flophouse. I don't know. This is not original research by Casey. That comes later. So, mm-hmm. when when gramophonic technology, like wax cylinder technology, came out, the main purpose was it, it, it wasn't for like, oh, let's record popular music and listen to it whenever we want. It was, well, let's record our voices 
And this way, when we're dead, people will know what we sounded like. That you know was what? like sure. I mean, that's essentially what you and I are doing, right? I mean, yeah, that kind of makes sense, honestly. I mean, yeah, yeah. But well, so that was that was the stated intent, and so that famous uh, that famous painting of the little doggo going aru at the mm-hmm. at the phonograph. That's actually a zoom in and a crop. The entire painting is the dog sitting on a coffin, which has the gramophone oh. on. Oh, <laughs> yes, that got real dark. Like <laughs> it real did, and it's called his master's voice. And it's like, why would you do that? Oh why my would God. you make Victorians chill out for real? Like, <laughs> if I died and you sat celebrated local cat Denmark J Cat, our very own Prime Minister Polka Dots. If you sat him down on a table and just played like a little clip of my voice, and he got all excited and he thought Daddy was home from wherever, mm-hmm. I would murder you from beyond the grave. <laughs> right, real messed like... up. That is the saddest shit I've ever heard. Thank you. Um, okay I'm gonna be thinking about that all day. God. <laughs> For real, that's a that's a thinker. Okay, so yeah, Watson does learn some stuff. Um, he learns that the hall has been rented out. Uh, the hall just there where the creeping has been happening mm-hmm. has been rented out by a gentleman called Williamson, who may or may not be a clergyman. Nobody's really sure. Uh. So he goes home to Sherlock and quote. <clears throat> Mr. Sherlock Holmes listened with attention to long to the long report which I was able to present to him that evening. But it did not elicit that word of curt praise which I had hoped for and should have valued. And it's just like, oh, buddy! talking about sad puppies, like right there. <laughs> for real, his master's voice indeed. That's all he wanted to hear. Just Jeez, one good yeah, job, John. Sherlock, Come on. Sherlock is being a like a genuine dick for like no reason. And the only the only thing I can think is that you know he's been training Watson. Watson's been tagging along, and it's like, dude, you you've got to know better than this by this point. You have seen me do this. I'm not asking you to be me. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, come on. I guess yeah, it could be like a sort of he, he like he was like, dude, I expected better of you by this point, kind of thing. Like negative reinforcement, I guess. <laughs> I guess. But. Well, he says that Watson Watson really should have hit the pub first, mm-hmm. and he would have learned everything that he needed to know, which is a fair point. But that they'll head down together next weekend, they'll see what they can figure out, they'll have a picnic, mm-hmm. go antiquing, take in a mole man fight, they'll make a day of it. <laughs> uh, just then, a note arrives from Miss Smith. What does this note tell us, Nobles? Um, Is that the one where she's like, actually, I'm leaving this job. <laughs> Um, uh yeah yeah so basically what happens is um she carruthers no yeah mr carruthers uh proposes to her awkwardly and Uh she's just kind of like i already have a boyfriend slash fiance kind of thing and so now she's like i still work for this guy and it's just awkward at that point and she's not worth the the hundred pounds a year i i gotta go um so yeah so she's basically she does say repeatedly that he's like a real gentleman about right. it. Like he didn't give her a hard time that no. he, but still like once, once that's out in the room, like there's no putting that back in right. the hat. Yeah, exactly. So she's like, I yeah. unfortunately have to leave this position. So don't worry about it. You know, problem solved. I won't be followed anymore. It's great. Yeah. I'm just going to go, you know, do with my fiance or whatever. And Holmes is like, this is yeah. 
horrible. Something very bad is going to happen. We have to go right now. Um, yeah. So they go right then. Uh, they they stop to gather some intelligence. I think we scrambled the order a little bit, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, they they try to get some intelligence before they act, I believe. Uh, they go to the bar like Holmes said they should have, mm-hmm. and Holmes gets into a good old-fashioned bar brawl. I think, yeah, I think Holmes actually goes down there just by himself. Um, you know what he does? He says yeah, he needs a yeah, quiet day in the country. Yeah, and returns yeah, with his face pipe all busted up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's great. I love it. I think the reason why they didn't have Watson along for this is because I feel like Watson would just take the dude out instantly. There wouldn't have been a cool bar fight yeah. with Sherlock Holmes. It would have been Watson just instantly one-hit KO the guy. <laughs> And yeah, no, just tackle. It would have, and because that's that's the thing is that Holmes loves a good fight. Holmes is here for it. He knows, like you know, some obscure martial art, and it's all just part of the fun for him. But like Watson's a military man, he's and he's like, yeah. if you <laughs> exactly, if you get if you get Watson involved, he's not stopping until a man is dead. Right? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's so, not a good look for crime solvers. So yeah. So basically, Mister uh, Woodley overhears Holmes asking all these questions of the bartender in the bar right. about him, and he's like, "Hey, what what are you trying to do? What are you trying to find out about? What gives here?" Guy? And just yeah. like almost like mid sentence, just kind of starts swinging right away. Like, might as well just beat him up just to be sure. Doesn't really wait for him right. to answer. And so he gets one good hit in. And then Holmes apparently gets one good hit in as well, and is on the floor, and the guy's on the floor. Yeah. So, so he comes home with like, like a black eye, and Watson's like, um, and, and Holmes is just like, I had the best day ever, dude. <laughs> like as he's walking in, <laughs> yeah, and really like, I, had a, I had a good day. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah. Well, um. I mean, in the in the meanwhile, yeah. Woodley uh has returned to the hall where uh, Carruthers and Miss Violet Smith live. And Miss Violet is detailing this in yet another note. Uh, th- I think this is the one where she says she's acquitting this here job. Because right. they do, yeah, that she was does the... send like two or three notes in fairly quick succession mm-hmm. here. So she says she's quitting not only because of Mr. Carruthers, you know, unwanted attentions, but because Woodley has returned and he is all the more hideous for mm-hmm. Holmes having just beaten the oatmeal out of him which i mean in fairness nick i, I think it can be i think we all look better with our oatmeal on the inside like <laughs> Gosh, i really like it there was honestly no real reason for this fight to happen other than to further cement which we've already pretty much cemented how much of a just horrible disgusting person woodley is and yeah just to like kind of be cool i guess like i don't know it's like you kind of just want to see this guy punished somehow like physically you do <laughs> and Doyle gives you yeah, that he's it's, like here you go yeah it's setting him up just unequivocally as the bad guy mm-hmm. which you know sets yeah. up sets up the the angle from which the twist at the end uh works so Woodley mm-hmm. has words with Carruthers and he leaves uh, Carruthers kicks him out but he continues to like slink and skulk around the grounds which yeah. leads me to believe that he may actually be the baboon carriage man from the speckled band which means that prime minister polka dots can't be far behind he's somewhere around here he's in every story he's always somewhere exactly there's always a cameo you just don't always spot it don't, you don't always spot every it. village in England. There's a baboon. Spots, just oh, I see what you you spotted. Because <laughs> why? I'm so sorry. Uh, no, I'm not. Because why? Right, so let's keep going. <laughs> Prime Minister Polka Dots, official mascot for the final problem. Problem. It's true. <laughs> so, <laughs> Carruthers. Uh, <laughs> We're we're real goofy today, folks. Uh, it is so hot. <laughs> it's like a hundred here. Okay, I'm listening to 
a great podcast called Good Game, Great Game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are super sweet dudes. They just gave us a shout out on Twitter um, because they, they listened to our first episode and they found it quite enjoyable. They are just delightful gentlemen and I yes, love listening to them talk about day. video games. <laughs> it's so, it really, it really was great. That said, they're talking about, oh, it's so hot, you guys, oh, I'm gonna die, oh, we're in New York, and it's like 86 degrees, and I just oh, no, want to throw 86. my phone <laughs> across the room. It's just like, hey, hey, Google, what's the temperature? In Mesa right now, it's 105. It is 105. 105. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So anyway, good yeah. game, game. Love you guys. Love you guys. Shut up about your temperatures. I don't want to hear it. Give you this nice, sweet shout out. Welcome you to the podcasting community. You immediately drag them. No, they're the coolest guys in the world. And yeah. I hope they keep doing what they're doing. If you like video games, go listen to their shit. It's hilarious and deeply thoughtful. Okay, so uh, the next morning, mm-hmm. the boys roll out out because they decide like look we need to we need to just figure out what's going on in person this is like this is everything we've been able to figure out from the edges of this situation and it's time to just involve ourselves and and figure this out right so they go down um they get off the train and they're walking along i get walking i guess um along the um the path that she usually takes and they encounter a coach coming this way that's totally empty right there's no one in it and they're like this is a very bad sign obviously um, right. so, uh, I think, uh, Watson catches the empty carriage, they, and then they immediately meet, uh, the cyclist, the, the very guy who was following her, still in disguise. Disguise. Holmes yeah. flips his shit, and they, mm-hmm. they determine that they need to, they need to get going, like, now. And what eventually transpires to have happened is that Miss Smith has decided to catch an earlier train back into the city, mm-hmm. which has thrown Holmes's whole timetable off so they're racing along as you as you say they meet this uh this cyclist who tells them to stop stop what you're doing right now or i will shoot your fucking horse (laughs) which at least it's like not the most intense the horse (laughs) yeah what did the horse do don't make me shoot your horse (laughs) if your horse ends up shot here that's on you sir (laughs) maybe it was some kind of like i don't know like i guess it's like maybe the maybe the punishment for killing someone's horse was so much less severe than obviously murdering a person or shooting them, even like not. I think it would be more severe. Lethally. I don't know. No, don't... every horse is a every horse is a noble creature. I don't know. Well, and I mean, obviously, the idea is if you've only got the one horse a draw in your cart and they shoot, the, it's like shooting your cart engine. I guess is like you're not maybe. taking this cart anywhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tires, the horse, the horse is the tire of the cart. You heard it here mm-hmm. first, folks. So. They want to know where the hell Violet Smith is. And he says that's what he wanted to know because you're in her damn cart, guys. Which, like, you know what? Like the Fair. The horseshoes would be the tire of the cart. The horseshoes. If the horseshoes... If the horseshoes would be the, the engine. And then... If the horse is the engine... Okay. <laughs> horsepower, Casey. But then... Horsepower. <laughs> you can just... <laughs> right? He's getting to us. This is the final episode of the final problem. This we're is melting. it. This is what's... it's all going to implode. <laughs> we're just going to turn into two separate piles of Odo. Yep. Uh... <laughs> Butler, fetch me my buckets. So, <laughs> so could Odo turn into like an aquarium <laughs> with fish in it? Like <laughs> just just like a fish tank with like a couple of googly eyes floating in there. Like... Exactly. <laughs> 
floating around. What if Odo's bucket were clear and you could see him in it? <laughs> it just turned into a little, or like he turns into like one night he turns into like a, a a hamster in there just, and he's 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 sleeping, but he's a little sleeping hamster man. Oh, Odo, the possibilities are endless. Uh, okay, so, except he turned human. So the where horse I just got to is he's the powerhouse that. of the carriage. Yes. The horse is the mitochondria of the carriage. <laughs> a woman's been kidnapped. A woman's been abducted. The woman's kidnapping is the powerhouse of no. the cell. <laughs> yes. Okay. All so right. um eventually it's 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 like in Guardians of the Galaxy or like in uh, Avengers Infinity War <laughs> where the um where Tony Stark and Co. and the Guardians of the Galaxy meet each other and they're like, hey, where the hell is Gamora? I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you pointing your gun at me? Because you were pointing your gun at me, man. <laughs> and so eventually, yeah, we realize that they're not really enemies here. Yeah, they just kind of they just kind of join forces. What next? What 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 happens after they join forces? Yes, Nicholas, they, they, tell me the aftermath of this amazing team up. They join the team up team up real quick. Um, go into I think I think uh, uh, the cyclist man. I don't know if I should reveal his identity just yet. No, but, not uh, yet. Leads them through uh, some bushes, and then they come upon this site, which is just uh, how would the Victorians describe it as just whack, perhaps off the shits. Yep. Um, yep. and it's Woodley and Miss Smith, Miss Violet Smith, and then some other dude, and it and it looks like he's about to marry them. This guy who's dressed up yes. as a priest, and he is basically just like, all right, and I pronounce you man and wife. And she's, I guess, is is she like she's and she's gagged. She's like very obviously, yeah, not agreeing like full, to any of like this. Like full snidely whiplash, like vaudeville, yeah, very, like villain total princess bride kind of like train tracks. Yeah, deal here, yeah. So so he he pronounces the man and wife. Uh, Woodley goes Bowser laugh, Bowser laugh, Bowser mm-hmm, laugh. Mm-hmm. That's actually in the story. And the guy who married them, the marriage was performed by Williamson, the rumored clergyman. Which, oh, yeah. ooh, that's chef kiss. Yep. That's a that's a nice twist. It's good, like that. Uh, so yeah, he uh, they were all in this together actually uh, until they weren't, and uh, and then Carruthers immediately shoots Woodley. <laughs> yeah, just draws like, right iron there. and yeah, and the dude Woodley turns to him and says too late she's my wife bowser laugh bowser laugh mm-hmm. and he says no she's your widow and dun, dun, fires dun. on him yeah i love that coolest thing. that plays so well in the episode i was like oh like i verbally was like oh shit like right when i watched it it was so good it was so good a plus conan doyle <laughs> and i like to i like to picture like if he was sitting there writing this he was like well, what if they ever make one of these films of this story? Yes, I'd better give them something good to say. And just, like, I know, right just watching this, like, these stories write themselves, like... <laughs> yeah, for real, not not a light editor's pen on this one. It's just, yeah, pretty much how it happened. And I like to think, um... I don't know what I like to think. It just flew right at me noggin. You like to think? Sometimes. Sometimes I dabble. I'm like, on days when it's not a hundred and fucking five, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah. No, she's your widow, Kapow. Is it, is it about oh no, I was just sit, I was just sitting at work when I read that, like mm-hmm. between urgent urgent care calls, and right. I really wanted to answer the next call and be like, "Thank you for calling Next Care Urgent Care. Have you read this shit? What? <laughs> what? No, you're bleeding. Yeah, I get it. But first, but listen, I let have me a really tell good you. book recommendation for you. Just hold on. <laughs> no, when it when you get better, what's that? Oh, okay. If you get better, yeah. No, please do come read this. <laughs> 
Oh, God. Uh, yeah. Okay, so, yeah. He feeds Woodley a lead salad, um, mm-hmm. but nobody dies. And that's that's pretty much the, the end of the action. Yeah. And, um... It's kind of funny, because Watson has to, like... They, they drag Woodley into the house, and Watson kind of has to, like, be reminded to take care of him. He's like, should I... Should yeah. I he's pretty... He's okay, like, for now. You know, he's not gonna die. Yeah, he's just he's just standing there, and they're like, John, you're a doctor, right? right? You think you should, like... He's just so cold about it. Over like, there? He walks in, and he's just like, he'll live, <laughs> you know, basically. Yeah, no. Yeah, I guess he'll He'll live. be fine. Unfortunately. But, yeah. And then they say... And then, yeah, and then Holmes sits down the the two unshot members of this drama and right. gets the rest of the story out of them which is basically you want to i did the first story so you get to do the second one well first he assures them he assures miss violet that this marriage is in no way valid or binding yeah. for like <laughs> lots of yeah. reasons the first and foremost among which is that williams was defrocked with extreme prejudice so he <laughs> he is now the opposite of a priest he is no longer authorized to solemnize marriages and also because a forced marriage is called and here i quote a goddamn kidnapping so yeah. no don't worry about it y'all this ain't married is- all super illegal it's don't worry yeah exactly yeah which is yeah, yeah. no you're good <laughs> so it appears to transpire that the cyclist yes it is carruthers he has been in disguise and he's been following her he's been following her on the road every day with the intention of preventing precisely this from happening mm-hmm. um yeah. apparently so so which make, which makes me really happy just to think that like Woodley and his cronies, they've been, they've been getting up early every day. They've been, like, getting a good breakfast, and it's like, all right, boys, we're going to get her today. We're going to yeah, get out right. there before he is. <laughs> and they just and they just go out there, and they, like, lie in wait, and they look across the road, and they just see him sitting on his bike, and he does, like, the eyes, like, yeah. I'm watching you. It's <laughs> just so kind of, like, it's like, opens like, his jacket rats. and, like, slowly, like, removes, the like, the butt of a pistol, just, like... <laughs> Horse feathers. Well, maybe tomorrow. Yeah. Applesauce. It's just... So... He doesn't want her to get kidnapped because he's in love with her, et cetera, et cetera, and wanted to keep her around. Holmes <laughs> Holmes says, you call that love, Mr. Carruthers, but I should call it selfishness. <laughs> to which Carruthers responds, maybe the two things go together. Anyway, and just moves on. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like, straight people okay. logic, I'm sure. <laughs> straight people. Well, I mean, respect for self-knowledge, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's, I mean, he's kind of like, yeah, maybe so, basically. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah. you got me there. <laughs> Um, there's a, there's a fun bit where Holmes keeps referring to Williams, the defrocked clergyman, as the reprobate in the surplice, which mm-hmm. is a, uh, a surplice is a, um, it's a religious garment, like it's a, like a stole or mm-hmm. a sort of, it's a holy scarf. Yeah. Um, and he, he, and he refers to him as like your reverence. Right, like sarcastically, mockingly. yeah. Exactly. And I, I just love that. Arthur Conan Doyle seemed to have a real problem with people impersonating clergy, which makes me wonder, how often did that happen, that there was enough, like, for him to really have a problem like, did with it? Ever it? Pay, did it pay really good to be, like, a clergyman it, or something? And people were exactly, just constantly trying to... Rash? <laughs> yeah. They're like, man, I want to rake it in, but I don't want to do all this school. <laughs> I don't know. Real, making money in the service of the Lord. Yeah. Okay. So... The whole story spills out. Um, Williamson, the, the fake priest, mm-hmm. has never been to Africa and literally, literally tells Holmes to put that in his pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Which is delightful. I that was it. super good. Yeah. He said, well, actually, what he tells him word for word, because this deserves that. Um, he tells oh, him please. to 
Uh, I never saw either of them until two months ago, and I've never been to Africa in my life. So you can put that in your pipe and smoke it, Mr. Busybody Holmes. Like <laughs> Mr. Busybody Holmes. All right. <laughs> and, I, well, and obviously he thinks that'll be a stinging insult, but mm. Holmes is like, why, thank you. Yeah. My bod is quite biz. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. So the upshot, the long and short of mm. it, is that Woodley and Carruthers, they did know Ralph Smith in Africa. That much is true. Yeah. And when they found out that he wasn't, wasn't long for the world and would leave his fortune, apparently he had a fortune, would leave this fortune to his niece. So these assholes uh, zooped over to England so that one of them could marry her, and then they would split the fortune together. Uh, Woodley... <laughs> Won her in a game of cards yeah, see, on this, the boat ride over. Yeah, this is kind of where I just lose all sympathy for Carruthers because it's like he's yep. like, oh no, but I loved her. It's it's like okay, listen, but you were willing to like play cards to see who would get her. Like it wasn't even like okay, yeah. we'll meet her, see which one she likes better, maybe do this. Like it's like yeah. no, we're just gonna like like no, <laughs> well just this way it's clean, it's easy. Yeah. We'll we'll just God, men are a plague. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's I feel like I feel like Holmes villains would have the best games of like you know that drinking game like never have i ever where you have to say a thing and if you've if you've done the thing you have to drink and they're all just sitting around he's like uh never have i like wagered a woman in a card game and brothers <laughs> and woodley were really like fuck like, all right pour me another one <laughs> right <God>. like this <laughs> why am i such a bad person <laughs> okay uh yeah, um, so they they had this long game in place, mm. and then they got word that the old man actually died, and they had to accelerate the plan mm. because they had to marry her before her inheritance money came in. Right. Um, I don't think for legal reasons. I think as the man in the relationship, they would have, like, legal precedence and right over everything, but I think it was so she wouldn't be suspicious, like... I'm pretty sure a rich dame in that time and place would have would have gotten a fair number of offers for her hand. Oh and yeah. Anyway, she already had a gentleman yeah. asking her hand. So, but that was before yeah. he knew that she was coming into a big inheritance. So, exactly. It was, so it was yes, pure. his affections were <laughs> yeah. genuine. Yes, they were often seen strolling around the lane <laughs> of a summer's evening, pausing at the gazebo. It's not important why. <laughs> Then uh, Watson says, It has often been difficult for me, as the reader has probably observed, to round off my narratives. And like, oh, buddy, I'm sorry. <laughs> I take back everything I've ever said about your inability to end stories. <laughs> like, no, Watson, you're doing a great job, buddy. I love him. No, you're fine. Don't worry about it, guy. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you do you want to read us the little, the little postscript there about... Uh, about the the wrap up this the sort of uh, montage at the end of the movie that tells what happened to everybody. Oh yeah, sure. Basically, um, yeah, uh, Miss Smith, uh, Violet Smith inherits her fortune with no problems. Williamson gets uh, seven years in prison. Woodley gets ten years in prison, the mm-hmm. bastard tax, and Carruthers <laughs> gets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, don't I love you, Nick. And then, <laughs> and then Carruthers gets, I think, a few months or something. No. Yeah. No. Cause... No. He he just vanishes. No. Like he just he disappears does... from the record, doesn't he? Hang on, let me see. It says. Yeah. Um, check. Yeah. Watson's like, oh yeah, of the fate of Carruthers, I have no record, but I'm sure that his assault was not viewed very gravely by the court, since Woodley had the reputation of being a most dangerous ruffian, and I think that a few months were sufficient to satisfy the demands of justice. So maybe it was. Like, oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, he he did like a get token sentence, sentence. But just for a few months, maybe for probably for shooting. Right. But it was kind of like they and the saw court. The, the court thing. was like, uh, you couldn't have aimed better, guy. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was married ever after, and 
Yeah, presumably yeah. babies ever after, and that's the mm-hmm. end of that tale. So, you had some I've got some thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I have. Th- I have three three thoughts first, and then research. The first mm-hmm. thought is, where the hell did this nine year old daughter come from that Carruthers hired Miss Smith to teach? I I never thought about that. Yeah, he, I don't know. I guess maybe he was married before, or so. maybe this is his actual daughter. You think? I mean, maybe. Also, what happens just, to her no. after this? Yeah, these are all very good questions. Because <laughs> her dad goes to jail. If it is her dad, even, you know. If yeah, and I would. I don't know about you. I would not bring my daughter on any boat that Woodley was on for any length of time. Right. I. I think. I think in the episode. I don't remember this completely, but I think in the episode it like implies that sh- that Violet takes care of her. That she kind of like okay yeah because I mean I guess her and Carruthers are still on pretty good terms after this whole deal. I'm sure Decent they term, like... yeah. I mean he didn't he didn't yeah. do anything to her really. Yeah. yeah, I just I just like to think that she was like a tiny actress. <laughs> like she was just like they this just was paid, her first they were gig. every day like under the table. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. My second thought was this. <laughs> so at one point, like in explaining why she's continuing to bike to and from every weekend, even though they, you know, her her place of work slash residence with Carruthers is really far away. Miss mm-hmm. Smith says that Carruthers has promised to get her a carriage, uh, so she doesn't have to worry about her bicycling stalker, right? Mm-hmm. But he's the bicycling stalker, right? <laughs> so what? <laughs> what's the what's the plan there, buddy? <laughs> He's like, oh man, I played myself. Um, yeah, didn't really, didn't really think this one yeah, through there, did you, pal? Yeah, they're really just flying. This like whole the, thing is they're really just flying by the seat of their pants the whole time. They really are. It's like that Simpsons meme where where Barney's holding a gun on Barty, and this one's labeled like when I find the guy who's been screwing up my plans to stalk this woman. <laughs> yeah. It's just him. Yeah. Uh, my. My third thought before we get to research mm. was that the even even my arrogance, such as it is, uh, is is not enough to permit me to say you know what would have made this story better. I'm not saying it would have been better or worse one way or the other way. I'm saying what I would have liked to see. No, thank you, Siri. Thank you. I didn't mean to. Siri, shut the hell up. <laughs> there we go. See? You mean Siri? You mean me? You want to know how hot it is? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, the answer, friggin'. (laughs) Yeah. I would have liked this story better, first of all, if it were a little longer, and second of all, if we had gotten it from... It was not long. What if we had gotten this story from Carruthers' perspective? That, yeah, that would have been kind of neat. Would it it have worked the same, you think? Would it have worked better? Well, think about it. Let me... Let me let me float you this story idea. Yeah, so let's see. I want to hear it. You meet your protagonist, man called Carruthers, meet, works with a man called Woodley, who, like, even though this is their ultimate falling out, like, they're very different people. They're clearly mm-hmm. not, like, actually friends. They're both crimesmen, but right. just, like, because they work well together. So, and he hears of this chance to marry a woman and split the fortune and get out of the life for good. And he's thinking, okay, I don't have to do crimes anymore. I'm going to have a fortune. I'll never have to see Woodley again. We'll split the money and just go our separate ways. Uh, let's go to England. So they do so, and he has to put on this elaborate charade of buying a house 
and hiring a small child actress <laughs> to be his daughter and learning how to wear a disguise and learning how to ride a bike and guarding her. And then he falls in love with this woman. And now he has to protect this woman from the man with whom he came to England specifically to dupe her. Right. And all the while, this famous detective is asking questions that are nobody's damn business and drawing way too close to the core of what's going on. And eventually it all comes to a head. I'm just saying, like, I, I never don't want to read a Sherlock Holmes story, obviously. Obviously, I'm just saying, like, if we had it from Carruthers' perspective as kind of like a tragic, self-destructive hero—not not hero, but like protagonist—who yeah. kind of suffers because of his own actions, I think that could be a lot of fun. Honestly, yeah, no, I I totally agree. Actually, that would be really neat. Just yeah, and, yeah, and also just like having to like, would he in in that case would he hire Holmes? Like, are you still talking about this as like a Sherlock no. Holmes story, or is like a separate like another story? No, if it was a separate, if it was just a different thing, if it was Carruthers' story, yeah. and he still, like, it was exactly the same, but from his perspective, and, like, this detective is, who may, is Sherlock Holmes, is closing in on him, and he has to, he has to try to divert the, you know, whatever measures Carruthers took in the story to try to protect Violet and not get arrested in. I don't know. I just thought it's it's an interesting game of cat and mouse with two cats yeah. and one mice. Right, absolutely. And it would have been and really... also, it would have just totally saved us the whole, like, she comes in, sits down, and then tells us her whole... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you just really hate all the backstory, don't, don't you, Casey? That's what this is about. It's not... <laughs> It's not that I, I don't mind backstory at all. I don't mind exposition dumps, mm. generally speaking. I just don't like... When you have a 14-story page and four pages of it is someone just sitting there telling you about something that's already happened. Right. Yeah, no. Absolutely. That's... Yeah. It's a real noble bachelor move. Yeah. I mean, honestly, and that just kind of just goes to say, like, how good of a story it is. Just that it could be told multiple yeah, no, it's ways a really good story. still rock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I enjoyed it a lot. It was really good. Uh, when, when it got to the bit where the defrocked clergyman was there performing a fraudulent satanic marriage that was yeah. amazing you were like oh, yeah loop. here we go <laughs> yeah it was so good mm -hmm. all right so research yes nicholas let's learn about bicycles oh yeah let's do it i'm a bicyclist myself <laughs> there you go i figured this would be interesting to you i would be if i didn't live in arizona yeah, <laughs> yeah. no i i have a bicycle and i use it in the two months when it's helpful to do or so like two days. <laughs> exactly mm. so the bicycle was developed in in pretty much the same form we have it now, essentially, uh, in 1885, which sounds a, a little early, but sure. Um, although the penny farthing bicycle, which is the one with the giant the front huge wheel, wheel, yeah, the tricycle basically, the yeah. huge wheel, yeah, it, those are called penny farthings because they the wheel, the big wheel and the little wheel together look like a farthing coin and a penny coin right next to each other. Okay, apparently. I Penny coins must have been huge. <laughs> well, except, well, yeah, I just mean, like, you could call them, like, quarter dimes here okay. is the idea I got if okay. you put those next to each other. But so, so penny farthing bicycles were so dangerous and accounted for so many injuries and deaths mm -hmm. that when what we recognize as a bicycle now came out, they were called safety bicycles. Oh, gosh. What? Okay. But I'm just like, like, I get that. By, okay, so when the safety bicycles, as you just informed me, they are called. Right. Uh, and which I will only ever be calling them from now on, um, came out. What, were they like, the prototype of this invention is ridiculous. Like, yes. You're really telling me that that was invented first? 
and not as like well, a wacky follow up to like an art project of like what lol what if bikes look like the that thing. yes so that's the thing okay the very first one like the first thing we would recognize as any kind of bike Mm -hmm. way beforehand was called the laufsmaschine uh which means literally it means walking machine (laughs) and they called it the dandy horse so it had the basic structure it had the basic structure of a bicycle that we would recognize it had the wheels and it had the seat but there were no pedals you you straddled it and you pushed it along with your steppers. Oh my gosh! Yes, <laughs> yes. I love that mental image. Uh, look up That's the look up really the illustrations. Good. Sometimes there's like a fancy man on one. Oh, it's it's really good. And those had normal size wheels. So I don't know. I don't know how we got from one of those to giant fuck off wheels that kill people who try to climb on them, and then back to regular size wheels. <laughs> right, like the bike, the bicycle, as I did mention, just went yeah. on a whole journey. It really did. Well, and let me tell you, the the journey the journey is about to get wilder. Um, oh boy! Oh, oh boy! The, yeah, the first recorded cycling traffic infraction was in the year 1842. A little girl was knocked over in Glasgow, and the pilot was fined five shillings. I tried <laughs> to figure out how much money that is. No idea. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. The real journey is this. Mm-hmm. The real thing I learned, which is which is deeply interesting, and will actually get to what I think will be a really interesting conversation point. So. Mm-hmm. The safety bicycle, in that time and in that place, gave women, like Violet Smith, unprecedented mobility oh, and yeah. agency in their own lives. Isn't that yes. kind of when because uh, women started wearing pants, too? Exactly. To yes. Yes. Exa- yes. To that. the point that the bicycle, the safety bicycle, like, literally came to symbolize what was referred to as the new woman, which was, like, sort of a proto-feminist concept which was not only about changing minds and attitudes about things but like physical changes in activity and dress as you notice okay uh it, it, it became became the key to uh the creation of something which was called rational dress which was like a, a fashion sort of revolution mm-hmm. which did away with like it did away with corsets it did away with ankle length skirts and nice. other shit that you can't wear while you're riding a bicycle so women right. had to be able to wear practical stuff and like to the point where women called it where it was called the freedom machine and mm-hmm. the bike became the symbol of f- female emancipation susan b anthony miss america herself yeah. said quote it has done more to emancipate women than any one thing in the world. I rejoice every time I see a woman ride by on a wheel. It gives her a feeling of self-reliance and independence the moment she takes her seat, and away she goes. The picture of untrammeled womanhood. So, I, I had no idea. I love that. That's really cool. Yeah. That's really good. I feel like there's probably a really interesting book out there somewhere about the historical relationship between the bicycle and like feminism and women's liberation that I'm going to, I'm going to try to find that out. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. If but, you do, let me know. Cause that sounds, I would totally read that. I'll let you know. But my, my question is this, Nicholas. Yeah. So in this story, Sherlock is advocating for a woman, uh, He's defending her right to just be left the hell alone and ride her damn bicycle in peace, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And prevents her prevents her from being bound against her will into a marriage with a man, the traditional arrangement from which women were trying to ride those bicycles in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So my question is this. Is Sherlock Holmes a feminist? I I mean, before the Irene Adler story, maybe not. But right. uh, after that, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, I guess he's kind of... 
I guess he kind of sits to me in like he's just on the side of whatever's right, uh, at least mm-hmm. from Doyle's perspective or of what's right. like moral. And it's just like being a dick to women is not yeah. right. So I guess any time, but yeah, he definitely does. Um, uh, I, I guess it's kind of a mix between that, like kind of he's a hero white knight kind of person that like protects women uh, and like mm-hmm. tries to defend them as much as possible. And also like genuinely respects women as people, or at least is like a couple mm-hmm. steps above what the average Victorian man would right. be. I, I suppose I always kind of saw him like that where like, maybe not like, uh, I don't know. I, I think the modern equivalent of Sherlock Holmes would definitely be a feminist. Um, right, but and by Victorian standards, like he he is too. I mean, he always kind of like it, it depends on what adaptation you're watching, I suppose. Um, Fair, but strictly, depends on the writer. Strictly yeah. with the stories, I would say, yeah, yeah, he would be. I mean, he's definitely yeah. He definitely uh, sympathizes with women with women um, a lot more than a lot of other characters in the stories do, mm-hmm. and even you know other novels and books around the same time would you know Mm -hmm. women are treated pretty good in the sherlock Holmes stories i think in general um even when they are and if not if not by the stories themselves then by sherlock himself at least yeah yeah at least yeah yeah absolutely yeah Um, yeah i always thought it was really interesting to see how the the female characters were uh were treated in these stories there's definitely you know still i mean they're definitely not like amazing but they're pretty horrible you know right yeah yeah, I just thought I just thought it was interesting that like cuz there's no way Doyle wasn't aware that the bicycle that he there's no way he wasn't aware by this point of what a woman riding a bicycle meant oh, yeah, like sure socially. Yeah. The, the exactly. And so I I I have to imagine this was intentional oh, yeah. that there was a woman just trying to mind her own damn business mm-hmm. and live her life and here were here were two men fighting both in their ways, but both equally hard, both of them fighting to control her, mm-hmm. right? Woodley yeah. forcibly and Carruthers, you know, uh, subtly or seductively. And so Holmes just comes in and says, nah, just leave her alone. Just let her do what she's doing. And I, I have to take that as an endorsement of, like, this this new woman thing that's going on, of mm-hmm. women being independent and being allowed to bike wherever they will. And it's just, it's the last thing I expected. But uh, it's, I, you know, I... I'm not a literary theorist or analyst, but there, there's what seemed like some pretty clear symbolisms there. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. So well, it was a, well also with uh, real quick with uh, knowing a little more about Conor Doyle, he had uh, great relationships with the women in his life. And I think that mm-hmm. certainly contributed to how the women are presented in his stories. Uh, he had a, he had mm-hmm. a ton of sisters, like a ton, like ah. at least six. So he was surrounded by them constantly and uh, he had right. a, he also had a wonderful, very loving relationship with his mom. So mm. I I mean like all the women in his life he had pretty great relationships with. So I think he was kind of like of all the of of all the like you know writers and stuff. He's definitely one of the ones who would be more inclined to treat women like people just because he was right you know surrounded by them all the time and you know so that that's yeah. my guess. Well, and it's and it's like. It's like with racists and xenophobes, like the ones who actually meet foreigners or peoples of color, like the more you meet, the fewer, the less you tend to hate them because you Mm -hmm. realize that they are people and they're not just these 
you know, broad stereotypes and everything you've been told to believe there. And it's, it's the same thing with women. Like, it, people who, yeah, men who hate women it tend to have fathers who hated women and not have strong feminine influences in their lives. Mm-hmm. So that, that explains a lot, yeah. actually. Because, yeah. uh, I mean, looking, looking back, you know, most women in these stories, as you said, even, even if their portrayal, even if they're treated by other characters as Victorian men treated women, which is to say not great, mm-hmm. the characters themselves are just competent people who aren't even especially like defined by their womanness. It's just like, look, I'm a person and also I happen to be stuck in these circumstances because I'm a woman. Can you please just like, right? Yeah. <laughs> throw a sister a yeah, bone it's here. Like, it's like their problems are because they're a woman, but not because they're incompetent. Mm-hmm. It's just because of their social status. They're here. But right. they all kind of have their own personalities. Like they're they're distinguishable from one another. They're like there's not one yeah. woman client character that just keeps appearing yeah. over and over again that he has to solve. Different it's not just a cardboard like cutout, yeah, that says yeah, Dame exactly. on, yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, huh. exactly. Well, this was a really interesting one. This is this is the you know discovering that Sherlock is a secret feminist is the very last thing I expected when I started this story. But it was a really I fun one. They really did a uh, number on him. <laughs> Yeah, no, for real. <laughs> and like, and that's, that's kind of the thing is when you encounter something that's true, you, uh, Alan Moore, the, um, comics, comics books writer, mm-hmm. um, very famous in comics circles. He was writing from hell, which, uh, was eventually made into a movie with Johnny Depp, which was not good, but it's mm-hmm. a sort of fictionalized version of the Jack the Ripper events. Mm-hmm. And there's a bit in there where he wrote a line that um Is that the V for Vendetta guy? Yeah, V okay, for Vendetta, okay, cool. Watchmen, I actually, I actually all did kinds read that of stuff. For a class. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah, you read V for Vendetta? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, that's and some, I think that's I saw the movie some good too. shit. Yeah. <laughs> I uh actually on our Twitter feed, um, I posted because they're they're doing a live action Disney's doing a live action great mouse detective, which you may recognize as being Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like with mice, like with yeah. like how the Lion King. Does? I don't know. I don't know. Nobody knows. <laughs> that sounds absolutely horrible. Uh, one of our followers, a real cool dude, said it looks like we've got a real uh, Street Fighter, like the the video game of the movie of the video game mm-hmm. situation here. Oh god! Which made me remember that one time Audible wanted me to buy V for Vendetta, the audiobook of the novelization of the movie of the comic. <laughs> Are you serious? That's that's a thing. Yeah. That apparently that's oh a thing. God. Okay, well here's the quote. Okay. Anyway, um, Alan Alan Moore once said that the one place gods inarguably exist is in the minds of men, mm-hmm. and that's the the quote itself isn't isn't the point of my story. My my point is when he wrote that he realized that he had accidentally said something true, and that he was going to have to rearrange his entire life around it now, and that's. That's kind of how I've thought of big revelations ever mm-hmm. since was like when you when you encounter something that like fundamentally breaks your world, you can either pretend it didn't happen or you can just like it, the honestly, the comparison I found super helpful is like getting mental health under control. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, boom, I'm mentally healthy now. Like you have to reexamine everything you did yeah. and and see was this healthy? Was this good for me? Was this a result of my behaviors? And my my point here is that, like, Holmes got his ass handed to him by a woman who was just plain smarter than he was. And now, in the fallout of that, he does have to re-examine the way he interacts with the entire world. 
mm-hmm. with with women and with other men and has to reconsider what it means or, or or what he thinks women are capable of. And my my point is that it's admirable that Sherlock, although he is very set in his ways and very stodgy, yeah. um is like it, but he's he's willing to improve himself and adopt new modes of thinking. And that's the whole scientific thing, right. right? Is that if you try a hypothesis and it's not working, you have to adapt theories to data, not data to theories. That's absolutely beautiful. I love that. And I think yeah, and I think that's like that's really true in a lot of um and it, it's cool especially to see that from such a like scientific logical character um yeah uh, come to some kind of realization like that because I feel like a lot of uh, it's it's kind of a trend with men to like put women in this box of emotions and men in the box of logic and reasoning. Right. And they kind of just use that as like, well, we always like, you know, sexist men are always like, oh, well, I, I uh, am smarter than you because logic and your emotion. And they right. can't comprehend of women also having logic. And it's, it's cool. Yeah. To, especially to see a character like Sherlock Holmes, who's like almost the last person, the average, you know, uh, uh, person who who like knows about Holmes who may, who may not have read the stories uh, would think of him to be as you know like I don't I don't know what, you know what I'm trying to say I'm trying so hard to like convey well, yeah. my... you wouldn't you wouldn't think Sherlock Holmes was a feminist just from the get go not really and not yeah. even a feminist in the sense of like not even not even like carrying a picket sign yeah. fighting for equal pay but but feminism in like the true equality just seeing sense, women as equal like, to men in every way exactly every respect. yeah yeah uh, it's it's not something you would presume of sherlock but you see it a lot of yeah. it's really nice and it's almost like you know there's after the Irene Adler one, there's like almost two ways it could have gone either he would have buckled down and just been like exactly. every time a woman appears to be smarter than him, he immediately dismisses it, etc. stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there's no way that was a one-off, that was the exception, you know, that one time we're not going to talk yeah. about it, and just be embarrassed every time she's mentioned or whatever, or what actually happens, which is like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take women a little more seriously from now on, I'll learn my lesson, you know? Yeah. yeah. And un- unfortunately, the opposite is what most men in our society yep. do. <laughs> like, they get, yeah, they get schooled or they mess up or or whatever, and they say, is it possible that I've been mistaken in my misogyny? <laughs> no, no, it's the whole world that's wrong. <laughs> no, it is the women that are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, not Sherlock and not Arthur Conan Doyle, it would appear. Mm-hmm. So, well done, them. <laughs> well, what are we reading next, Nick? Um, oh, shoot. Uh, what happened? Uh, we're really making our way through these... Uh, we are we're tearing through them and you know why because it's fun oh absolutely let's read i look forward to it every week what do we read let's read the adventure of the dancing men which is not what you think oh it's no about. i'm so sorry yeah uh, no i'm so sorry we can't because next week we have our very first guest we have dylan spencer joining us oh for, shoot that's uh, right for the five orange pips oh awesome even better yes dylan <laughs> It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. From 1891, The, the Five Orange All right, The Five Orange So, gang, yeah, you can go ahead and read that, and you can join us next week uh, when we will be joined by delightful weirdo Dylan Spencer, who I am informed reliably is uh, – what, what What did you call him? You said we, you said he and I are one person. Oh, just yeah, one split with depression, into... one with anxiety. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there it is. Your depressed counterpart, Dylan Spencer. <laughs> I'm yes. so sorry. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> fair. Can't complain. Uh, until then, all our buddies, uh, enjoy your weeks. Enjoy your lives. Enjoy reading the five orange pips. You can follow us on Twitter, like the good good cats over at Good Game Great Game. Get. I still can't believe they followed us. That's like that's the so day after cool, we dude. posted it too. Just immediately. For real, like we. I mean, like to give you a little actual timeline information here, listeners. Like we're recording this. What is this? August eighth. We've been recording these since June, and we just dropped our first two, and the response has been uh, overwhelmingly positive. And I just, I just think more, more than we could ever have imagined or hoped for. And uh, to hear a podcast that I personally love just say, "Yeah, you guys are awesome." Here, all you people who listen to us, you should also listen to these cats. Uh, was incredible. It made our day. So go listen to Good Game, Great Game. Uh, tell them the final pod Blum sent you. And, uh, yeah, have a good week, all my buddies. Until then, I should have thought of a Sherlock pun for the end of the episode, but I didn't. Oh, oh, until then, don't be a bunch of Sherlock Ness monsters. Oh, jeez. What does that have to do with anything? <laughs> Bye, all our buddies! And he just kind of observes, the, observes, obs- wow, okay. Thank you, editing. Observes, he, obs- <laughs> he observes. Super cute them. that you think I'm editing that out. It's the heat, I swear. <laughs> Dude, since I took over, as I since speak. I took over editing, just the person I've been able to turn you into in the finished product. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I were that man. Um, <laughs> I wish I were the man that Casey edits me to be in post. <laughs> <laughs>